You're listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Well, good morning. Have a seat, please. Boy, it's great to see you all out this morning. Last night, this place was moving. We had over 300 people on a Saturday night. Isn't that cool? It's so cool. And to fill the gym at the Henryville High School with Blacklight Dodgeball, the largest number of students I've ever seen out on the court, just having a great time. And adults, we couldn't get them off the back row of the bleachers. They went back 50 years to the old days of dating. I saw them, they just lined all around, everywhere. I was so concerned about them. But it was great. It was great. On your way in, you received a program, and inside that program is a Get Connected card. And that's very important to us that you take time sometime over the next 20 minutes or so to fill that out. Let us know where you're at in your walk with Christ because that's what we're after today is a relationship with Him, the only one, the one who opened up paradise, heaven, to you and I through the sacrifice of His, his Son, Jesus This morning, before we dive into the scripture that we've chosen for this week, I I want us to pray for our nation, and I want us to pray for the world right now, Uh, especially those friends of ours who are in Ukraine. Uh, You guys that have been part of MCC for the last 15 or 16 years, you'll remember meeting a couple of young men. You heard their story right here who came from Odessa. You've seen it on the map this week, and that that really brought home to me, and I, and I know some of you have friends who are on the mission field there, people who converted to Christianity that are nationals and those that have gone over there over the last several years to establish uh, missions and churches that people would know Jesus Christ, and we want to be praying for them as well. So bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for the privilege that you've given us, for the power that lives inside of us as believers, your Holy Spirit that we would be called to pray, that we would be called to go. And for those, Father, who have walked to the other side of the world and have gone to a country that has been corrupt for years at its roots, who has thrown children out on the street from orphanages, Father, we pray for their healing. And as we're going to look today, Father, in your word, we know that you are often seen on top of the storms that rock our world and rock our life. And you're there waiting for one of us, even if it is just one, to call out, command me that I may come to you. And Father, we pray that the people of Ukraine, we pray that the Soviet Union, we pray, Father, for those allies that surround them in Poland and Germany, that Father, Romania, that you would watch over them and protect them. But Father, above all, in the disturbed world that we live in today, whatever it takes, Lord, may the world be pointed to you, our only hope, our only salvation. Father, bring those home safely and bless those churches who are gathered or who have been gathered through the night underground. Lord, as the room is shaken, may their soul be shaken by your presence, just as the early church was as they cried out to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you haven't done so already, grab your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. I hope you're enjoying 
uh, those new Bibles that you've been buying. We have been buying cases of Bibles as you've been taking some of those home with you that you find in the seat bottoms in front of you. If you don't have a physical Bible or a Bible that is in a version that's easily read and understood, please take one of those today. Make it yours. You can mark in it, write your name in it, and then bring that back with you in the weeks to come. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, beginning again in verse 24. Now, you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the boat. The boat that one man out of 12 had the courage to step out of. You remember the boat. It was a boat very much like this. It's a boat that represents the things in your life and mine in which we place our hope. We find security outside of God. As we learn, Jesus was outside of that boat that night in the storm. This weekend, I want us to look at the life that stepped out of that boat and the walk that they began with Jesus that night. So the encounter picks up, as you remember, with Jesus telling his disciples to get on that boat. They had spent the day together. They had just received word that John the Baptist had been beheaded for his faith. There was a crowd of people who had gathered around. 15,000 were fed that day by five loaves, two fish. The end of the day comes, Jesus says, I'm going to take care of the crowd, I'm going to go off and pray, spend some time to myself. Guys, I want you to go to the other side of the lake. In verse 24, it says that the boat was already a considerable distance from the land when it was buffeted by the waves and the wind. The King James Version says the boat was tormented by the waves. It, it was so violent that the seasoned fishermen, all they could do was to, to hold on for dear life. Now, some of you know what that's like. You have felt your boat shaken, whether it was through a financial challenge that you've gone through, a relationship challenge that you have experienced or that you're in the middle of, and you can feel that boat rocking. That's the way it was for them. They had lost sight of getting to the other side of the lake. They just hoped to survive that night, that the boat wouldn't capsize on them. And it was at that moment that one of the disciples noticed a shadow walking across the top of those waves headed towards the boat. As it got closer, it became obvious that it was a person walking on the water. Now, I want you to take a moment, and I want you to let that image sink in. No pun intended, right? The disciples, some of you caught it. The disciples, they were in extreme distress. And the one who could save them, the one that could help them was outside of the boat. He was the one that was approaching, but they didn't recognize him. Verse 26 says, they were terrified, thinking it was a ghost. And so they cried out in fear. Now today, having the Bible in our hands, we can look ahead and we, and we know, we, we know that that was Jesus. I mean, who else would it be walking on top of the water? But the disciples, the 12 in that boat, they didn't know that at first. Why not? Who else would be walking on water? But this detail is important, as is every detail in these accounts. It's important because sometimes it takes eyes of faith to recognize when Jesus is around. 
Sometimes it's not always obvious in those storms of our life. Sometimes it's not always obvious when the boat that, that even God has told us to get into for a certain purpose, when it's being rocked, it's not always obvious that he's there. It, it takes faith to recognize that he is there. I want you to think about some of the storms in your life right now. Uh, you already are. I want you to think about those storms, and, and I want you to think about those things that have rocked your boat. We often aren't any better at recognizing his presence than they were, or are we? We're, we're not. But what was Jesus up to? Why was he walking around the lake at the fourth watch at three o'clock in the morning? Mark's vantage point of this account in Mark chapter six, verse 48 says, Jesus was about to pass them by. Why would he pass them by? Why wouldn't he be coming right towards them to, to rescue them, to steady the boat? What was he up to? In the Old Testament, this same term is used numerous times by God when he wanted to make an appearance to those that he was about to call to do something extraordinary. You'll remember Moses, who was being called to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He, God hid him in the cleft of a rock as God's presence passed by. Uh, you might be familiar with Elijah, one of the Old Testament prophets, who ran to Mount Sinai to 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 connect with God. He knew that that was the place to go. And it was God who tucked him into that mountain as his presence went by and in the storm, in the wind, and in fire. Every time, every time there's a pattern through a burning bush, through wind and fire, through a storm with each person, God was going to call them to do something extraordinary. And each person called by God, they felt something. They felt afraid. And so when Jesus came to the disciples on the water in the storm, he was revealing something that they needed. And that was he was revealing his divine presence and power. God was visiting them in the water-walking flesh. Now the disciples got in the boat at Jesus' command. He told them, get in the boat and go ahead of me. Now they would have to learn this. They would have to learn just as we do that obedience doesn't guarantee an adversity-free life. And now that Jesus had their full attention, he says to them, he reassures them, you can trust me. Guys, you've been with me for a little bit. You know my character. You can place your destiny in my hands. I'm here, verse 27. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. But will they? Will they? Will you? The second thing I want you to, to notice is that it's 3 a.m. in the middle of a storm that Jesus makes his appearance. Isn't that the way he is? We, we often find him most when we are rocked to the core, when, when we're just barely able to hold on, and then we see him if we're looking for him. God often uses the things that we dread the most as an opportunity to encounter him. So 12 disciples sat in the boat. We don't know how 11 of them responded that night, but we do know how one responded. Peter realized this was an extraordinary opportunity for an encounter. And so he does something about it, and you know what he does. Peter calls out in verse 28, he says, Lord, if it's you... If it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. 
And as we left off two weeks ago, Jesus said, let's walk. Come on, Peter. Now put yourself in Peter's place. The boat is the safest thing you've got going on right then. It's the safest thing that you know. The water's rough, the waves are high, there's a storm out there. There's a good chance that you might sink outside of that boat, but Peter goes to the side of the boat. The other disciples are watching. They're still holding on. They're green in the face, seasick. He puts one foot over the side. He puts another foot over the side. And even though his feet are not sinking, he's still, I imagine, grabbing on with both hands. And finally, he lets go. And for the immediate future, he is literally, not this isn't some figurative thing, He is literally walking on top of the water. And then it happens, verse 30. Peter saw the wind and begins to sink. Reality sets in. All of a sudden, after that moment, his eyes see the storm still around him, that he's on top of the water in the middle of the storm, and there's no boat underneath him. If you're going to be a water walker, this series, we're just getting ready to begin looking at the specific walks that people take. So far, these are general rules to to walking across the room. And one of the things that you need to remember is that water walkers, people who are willing to walk across the room to take that first step out of the boat, we expect trouble. We can see it in Peter's story, but, but often we are caught off guard in our own lives. When we step out of the boat and we find ourselves in that moment, in that season of such gratitude, such excitement, the moment that we step out of that water, but we forget what Jesus experienced the moment that he was baptized. What did he experience? He was immediately taken to the desert where he was tempted for 40 days. And it's the same for us. When you choose to get out of the boat, you will face the wind and the storm out there. And getting out of the boat doesn't change that. The storm didn't stop. The storms of our lives don't just go away. You can begin a new adventure full of hope, maybe a new job, a new area of service in the church. You get married after years of living together. You finally line your life up with God's commands. You begin tithing. And at that first step, you're full of faith. But then there are setbacks, right? There's disappointments that come. There's unmet expectations. There's, there's opposition. There's unexpected obstacles. The times that Sarah and I have dug a little bit deeper to give, you can almost count on it within the next week or two. The stock market will crash or, you know, drop 500 points or, or one of the cars will need a, a new tire. We got four new tires not too long ago and, and one of them got a nail in it right away. Another hundred bucks. It should be expected, though. The world's a stormy place. Staying in the boat for years brings with it trust issues. Even though it rocks, we're used to that. And when we step outside of that boat and we experience waves and difficulties, we're sometimes just surprised and overcome. Peter began to sink in the water. So here's the question. Did Peter fail? Did did Peter fail? Now, some of you contemplate that. I want to make an observation about failure. Failure is not an event. 
It's a judgment about an event. It's the way we see an event, something that, that happens. Failure is not something that happens to us or a label that's attached to things. It's the way we think about outcomes. And with that definition in mind, yes, Peter lost focus. Yes, he saw the wind and he took his eyes off of where they should have been. Yes, he sank. But there were also 11 others sitting in the boat that night who missed the opportunity. Who missed the opportunity altogether. The opportunity that Peter had. See, only Peter knew what it was to walk on top of the water. Only Peter knew what it was to attempt to do something that he was not capable of doing on his own. Only Peter knew what it felt like to be empowered by God and to actually do it. And once you walk on water, you never forget it. You never forget it. Not for the rest of your life. Now in this room today, there are dozens of you over the last five years who have stepped outside of your boat in, in some way. Uh, maybe you weren't expecting to have to step outside of your Maybe your boat sank. Maybe it got pulled right out from under you. Maybe you made a conscious decision. There, there have been hundreds literally here since the pandemic that have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ who have stepped outside of this boat and taken their first step in the water. How many of you have stepped out only to have your focus recaptured for a season by what's going on around you. We, we all have. We all have been recaptured for a season. Family strife catches our attention. We begin to sink. Financial challenges, health issues, the social media. We get caught up in that stuff. We get distracted and we begin to say, what's going to happen to the world? What's going to happen to us? Are we going to have enough, of this, enough toilet paper again, right? It's coming around again. We try to stay 50 rolls up at our house. <laughs> but you can remember those first steps, can't you, today? Those first steps that you took through that first crisis of faith, that, that moment when the storm was raging and you took that step to trust Jesus, to trust God, instead of trusting what you had always trusted before. Now there's something else about Peter's moment of failure that only Peter knew. And that's only Peter knew the glory of being lifted up by Jesus in a moment of desperation. Because Peter risked getting out of the boat even though he got distracted, just like we do. He's the only one who knew what it was like to have God in the flesh grab his hand and pull him up out of that stormy water. One of the times that God has done that in your life. You would not have experienced that had you not ever gotten out of your boat. And once you've experienced that, you would go back to that for anything. No matter the pain that you experience, no matter, no matter the the feeling of drowning that you experienced when you lost sight for a moment, you would give anything to experience his hand pulling you back up out of the water. You see, the worst failure isn't to sink momentarily in the waves. It's to never get out of the boat. And as soon, as soon as Peter asks for help, who's there? Jesus is. Jesus physically 
helps Peter by pulling him up out of the water. And he also helps Peter grow by pinpointing what went wrong. And now if you grew up in a home where you were always being criticized, where the finger was always being pointed at you for what you did wrong, you, you read this a certain way. But if you didn't, if you know the love of a father, the love of a father who walks like God, who walks with God, then you understand that when, when Jesus said, you of little faith, why do you doubt? He wasn't being harsh, he wasn't being critical. In fact, one detail I love about this encounter is that Jesus talks to Peter while he still got a hold of his hand. He corrects him and he talks to him and he says, I want you to recognize what happened here. God ever done that with you? And he doesn't do it on the boat in front of the others. He does it out there in the water, privately, one-on-one. -on -one. Doesn't that make you want to get out of the boat? <laughs> Doesn't that make you want to stop worrying about whether you get distracted for a moment? Doesn't it make you want to call out right now to the one you got out of the boat four a long time ago to call out and let him pull you back up again because I tell you, he's not gonna criticize you. He's not gonna condemn you. What an experience. What an experience that Peter had. You know, Jesus is still looking for water walkers. He, he's still looking, anticipating people who will get out of their boat why risk it? Well, it's the only way to real growth. Why do it? It's the way true faith develops. It's the alternative to living a life of regret. It's part of discovering. It's part of obeying your calling as a believer in Jesus Christ. But there's one reason that trumps them all, and that is because the water's where Jesus is at. That's where he's at. He's always there. And it's the only way for us to walk with him. We can't have both. In all the accounts that we're going to look at in this series, there's a consistent pattern in Scripture. A consistent pattern of what happens in a life that's willing to walk across the room. And I want to give you this, and I hope that you'll bring these notes back and that you'll see this next week when we talk about that big walk of forgiveness, experiencing forgiveness ourselves and sharing forgiveness with others. But the first is this, there's always a call. There's always a call. God asks an ordinary person to engage in an act of extraordinary trust. For Peter, it was to get out of the boat and to walk on water, to trust in Jesus. What is it? What is it that God's been calling you to? What is it that he's calling you to right now in your life? Is it to align your relationships, your lifestyle up with what his word commands for you? Is he calling you to, to trust him in another area of your faith, maybe to, to lead or to teach? Is it a step out in faith to be part of the church family even though you, you'd much rather go it alone because it's so much less risky? than to put yourself out there again. Second, there's always fear. God has a habit of asking people to do things that are scary to them, that are frightening. Why? Because it's the first time we do something often. 
It may be the fear of inadequacy. It might be the fear of failure. It might even be the fear of God. But one way or another, God always calls and there's always fear. And remember, fear has a way of letting us know exactly the boat that we've been walking in and living in. Third, there's always reassurance. God promises his presence. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Surely I'll be with you even to the very end of the age. There's always reassurance. God promises to give whatever gifts are needed to fulfill his assignment. You've heard people say, God will never ask you to do something without equipping you to do it. Even if he has to send an Aaron alongside of you to hold your arms up when you're too weak, he'll always provide that reassurance. Jesus was right there to pull Peter up himself out of the waves when he began to sink. Fourth, there's always a decision. Always. Sometimes we say yes, as Peter did. Sometimes we say no, like the other 11. But there's always a decision. It's either yes or no. And finally, there's always a changed life. Those who say yes to God, those who take that step and learn and grow, even from their failures, there's always a changed life. We become part of God's plan to redeem the world when we say yes. But for those who say no to him, there's a changed life too. And that is we come, become a little bit harder to his voice, hardened. We don't hear him speak as often. It's a little bit more easy to say no the next time. And this pattern continues today. Whatever boat you're in, whatever your circumstances, the challenge is to do as Peter did, and that is to say, if it's you, God, you command me. You command me. You call me. Here I am, Lord, right? Send me, and I'll walk with you. Now, as the band comes and prepares, we're not finished yet. In fact, we're just getting to the best part. And that is, I want you to take out this card that you received on the way in. Some of you received this card four weeks ago. When you were here, you received it through the mail. Those of you that are online, if you've not received one of these, you can text me right now. I'll give you my wife's number, 812-595-0250. But you can, you can reach out to us and we'll get one of these to you. And you say, oh no, here's the big ask. Yes, it is a big ask. So fasten your seat belt, because right at the top is the biggest ask. I want your name. <laughs> I want your name, and I want your contact information. Now, if you're not part of the MCC family, every week we have 20 or more folks that are checking out MCC for the first time. If, if you're not part of this family, but you're a believer, I believe that you can commit to the first one. All of us can commit to the second one, and I'll get to the third one in a minute. But if you haven't asked God over these last four weeks to command you to respond to him in how you're going to fill out this card, I want you to do that right now. I want you to bow your head. And, and I want you to just say with me, God, God, if this is you, command me, command that I take this first step. 
Now, if you've got your name and your contact number on there, the next thing I want you to look at is the first commitment that I'm asking you to make. This commitment weekend, it's been no secret this is coming. The first commitment is to pray for the awakening of souls, to pray daily. Not, not just when you think of it, but to take out your phone right now as you fill out this card. Some of you don't have cards in your hands. You need to have a card in your hand. If you can't commit to this, I want you to ask the question right now. When are you ever going to step out of the boat and do something beyond yourself? Take a card. Make a commitment to something real for once. But commit to pray. You, you see, the, the half of the people in this room are here. You are here because for the last five years, the staff and I, the leaders and I, we've been praying daily. We pray together as a group weekly for the awakening of souls. And, and if you felt that tug and, and something caused you to stop in here for the first time after years of driving by, those of you who've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to know someone's been praying for you. And now it's your turn. It's your time to be praying for the awakening of souls because there are a bunch of souls out there that need to find what you have. Now, number two, this is a little bit tougher commitment, and that is to be present. To be present and to be involved. To be all in with your church family. If you're not part of the church family, part of this is gonna be you making that decision that I'm going to be part of this church family. But for others of you who aren't used to, to committing to being in church every week, this is an important commitment because it changes everything. The minute that you make God your priority, that you make being together with other believers a priority. And so I, I encourage you to make that commitment for the next two years that you're going to make the gathering. Number one, Everything else, number two. See, students, if God won't provide the scholarship that you need without you being gone every weekend playing ball. See, adults, if God won't bless your life in your marriage because you commit to being in his presence first before you spend the weekends at the lake. And finally, finally, I will give. I will give financially. Now, now, what's this about? Are we building a building so that people will come like the field of dreams? No. No, we did this first time six years ago. 200 or so of us committed. Some of us cashed in part of our retirement. One lady gave up her entire savings for the nursing home as a, as a woman who, who didn't have a family to take care of her when she became aged. She gave the whole thing up. Now, am I calling you to, to empty your savings accounts? Or Not at all. Remember, you're asking God to command you what it is that you're to do. And this is where if you're a guest or if you're new to MCC, and, and maybe you're one of those people who says, that's all the church ever wants is my money. Well, then don't you give a thing. Don't you commit to number three. But if you commit to one and two, what you're going to see over the next two years is you're going to see that it's not about a building. It's about lives. And the reality is, is we have to expand only because of the number of lives who've come here to find Jesus Christ. We don't build it so they'll come. We build it because you have come. And we're glad you're here. 
And I'm tired of having to rent a building so that we can have a hundred teenagers playing dodgeball in the dark black lights. I'm tired of us not being able to eat together. We have to pack 30 people to a classroom on Wednesday night. We're wondering how we're going to get everybody in here for Good Friday service this year. That's the answer. I'm tired of families not having a place in our community to go where they can just shoot basketball without being part of a league. Where they can put on some roller skates and skate around the building. Commit to it weekly. Sarah and I, six years ago, we cashed in a, a large amount of my retirement and we, and we gave that. We also committed to a weekly gift. Two years later, all of that was replenished and so we gave it again. Two years after that, we gave it again. And, and this time, right before we started talking about this commitment, I said, Sarah, it's, it's time for somebody else to do that. I want you to have some retirement money when I'm gone so that you can marry some young guy and you can live it up. But God wouldn't let it be. He had replenished it, so we gave it again last month. What's God commanding you to give? Fill that card out right now. Make the commitment. And then in the next couple of weeks, start fulfilling that commitment. Here's how we're going to do this together. I want you to take that card and you're going to be released by a couple of guys here to come forward. And three things are going to happen. One is there are plates for you to put those cards in along with you who are members at MCC, regular attenders, along with your tithes, with your offerings. Some of you, like me, have been giving to above and beyond, and it's because of you and God's blessing that we have over $300,000 already towards this $800,000 goal. We do not go into debt here because we don't preach that. We teach generosity. And we're almost halfway there. Next week, I've got a really exciting announcement to make, but we can't, can't make it yet. But I, I'm going to tell you, we're going to be able to start this thing within the next few weeks. So be part of that. and Drop those cards. Drop your offerings in those plates. Take communion with you. The juice is on the top. The bread's on the bottom. And this week, I want to do something special. I want us to pray, and I want us to share together. So hold on to that when you get back to your seat. But go ahead and talk with those around you about what God's been doing in your heart. Which is the final thing. It's the most important thing. And that is if you're here outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, as you come and you place your commitment, as you come and you receive communion, just go ahead and stay on the front row. Or better yet, just meet me backstage because that's where I'm going. I'm going to go put my shorts on and a t-shirt and I'm going to be in that water ready for you. Because there's nothing more important than that first step today outside of your boat and into that water to be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. God himself living inside of you, transforming you from the inside out day by day. Let's bow our heads together and let's pray. Father, Father, thank you for this opportunity to come before you to receive communion, the the reminder that we have of the sacrifice that you made for us, giving your all for us, that you would step out of heaven. Talk about a place to step out of. 
that you would come into our world, the world you created that's so, so broken that we could know you. Father, as we contemplate taking these first steps ourselves, whether it's to pray or to be part of, Father, to give up something that right now in this world is such a hot commodity, to give up financial resources, help us to realize that it all comes from you, that we're just a conduit, we're just a vessel. And the more that we pour out and trust you, the more that you fill it up, that we can do it again, that we can be an example. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, why don't you come? I'll meet you backstage. If you're an immersed believer, Brandon and David will be right up here, and they'll help you take your next step to be a member here at MCC.